Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Markets, speculation, and risk. This is the Chat with Traders podcast, hosted by Aaron Fifield. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you for being here. This is episode 168. If you've been rolling with me since day one, or if you've been through the archives, this week's guest will be no stranger. It's the options madman, Anand Sangvi, or best known as Mr. Sang Lucci. Lucci was a guest on episode 8, which came out in 2015. Of course, there's been plenty happening since then, so we took this opportunity to catch up. Topics of discussion range from life in Puerto Rico, dealing with taxes as a trader, a failed hedge fund even, what's been working for Lucci in equity options, and how he's continued to evolve in recent years, plus a whole lot of thoughts on trader psychology throughout. This episode also has strong language throughout, so if you've got kids in the car, you have been warned. Now, there's plenty to get through, so I won't hold things up any longer. Let's cut to the chase. Here's Lucci for another installment of the Chat with Traders podcast. I see you jumped in head first then on the trading, huh? Uh, Kind of, yeah. I mean, I've dialed back the podcast a little bit and uh, predominantly trading now, yeah. Yeah, how's that going? Is it for a firm over there or are you just by yourself? So, I think I told you a little while ago that I got a gig at a prop trading firm here in Sydney. Yeah, yeah, it was a couple of years ago or something you had told me that. Uh, yeah, it was about this time last year actually. So, okay. yeah, it was uh, kind of short-lived. I was there for about 10 months. I wrapped up at the end of August. Got you. Not by choice. The firm actually winded up closing the doors. I'm not surprised. Aren't you? <laughs> Why? Why do you say that? No, the models just don't work anymore. It's just not, you're not ripping that much for commissions. And then your traders are not making enough to get a percentage of. So the model, the model of the prop trading, it doesn't make sense anymore because the commissions are all going down to fucking zero. I mean, I don't know what you were trading over there, but I'm assuming it's across the board. Same thing happened in America too. Like, it's only the bigger shops now that are just swallowing up all the small ones. And then what they do to to subsidize because there's no fucking commissions, 
they create their own uh, ECNs. They create their own routes. So what they do is that all the traders that they have on there, let's say they have a thousand traders, they push all the flow to the ECNs, and then they get paid. They get paid on the dark pools. So that's what they do now, and they scalp the shit out of their traders too. What do you mean they get paid on the dark pools by rebates? Yeah, no, well, not really. It's just like you know how the the payment for order flow works. So basically, like there's an exchange that they also own that they'll push all of their trader uh, uh, flow against. So and then they'll go out and sell that to high frequency trading firms and to you know whoever the fuck wants the data. So that's 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 another thing they do. And then they scalp their traders. So they take the other side of their traders because they know their traders are getting smoked. That's what they'll end up doing to 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 make money now. And then they'll sell education too. Previously they never did it. They 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 would give you the education. You would learn how to trade, and then they'd take like you know forty percent, you know whatever of your of your money, and then they'd also get a huge commission rip. But commissions are going to fucking nothing. So and then they got no good traders. So I'm assuming the same shit happened to you. What happened to your your that firm? Uh, well, I guess our situation was a little bit different. Uh, I, I think it sort of works a bit differently here in in Australia. Uh, but the firm was predominantly trading futures. Yep. Uh, so everyone was trading mostly like uh, bank bills and government bonds here uh, gotcha. or treasury bonds. But I actually got hired there not as a trader. I got hired as trader manager. Yep. Uh, so I w- initially I wasn't doing any trading. But for the past like well, for the few months towards the end there, uh, I was doing a bit of trading. And I'd actually uh, sort of it was my incentive to get the equities set up at the firm. Uh, sure. So, yeah, uh, we actually started trading equities towards the end there. And then when they closed the doors, I've just continued doing that at home. So, uh, nice. yeah, just backing nice. myself and um, having a crack. But it's kind of, uh, you know, like I've been involved in trading for a while now, but the sort of trading I'm doing at the moment I haven't had a lot of experience in, so I sort of feel like I'm I'm quite a newbie at this point. <laughs> like, you know, because I've been out of the firm now probably two or three months. Yep. And then I was only trading at the firm for about two or three months towards the end there. So I'm still kind of right. working things out there on the, you know, the discretionary intraday type of approach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It takes a while to find your, you know, your niche and find what you're good at, find what product works for you. You know, I mean, if it's futures, if it's this plus in Australia, I'm sure, you know, the, there's a there's a lot of different opportunity. The markets work a lot differently than, than uh, you know, the U.S. market. So it takes a while, man. 100%. It takes a while to find your find your thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Still, I'm um, still trying to nail down my edge, but I'll get there. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So how you been doing? I uh, see you've moved to Puerto Rico. Moved to Puerto Rico, man. Moved to Puerto Rico, and uh, you know, I would say uh, what probably June. I would say, um, you know, but all throughout the year, I've been thinking about it. Even end of last year, was thinking about making the move, of course, and um, and then Maria happened. You know, the, the the hurricane happened, and you know, everything just basically just got kind of quiet. And then all of a sudden, like, there was just a big resurgence of uh, – they, they, they even made the laws a little bit easier for people to come down here. Uh, you know, there, there, there was a couple of changes that happened, um, and basically you just have to prove that you don't have that much attachment to the United States. 
So your primary home, you know, has to be here in Puerto Rico. You have to live here for 183 days, you know, a certain other couple uh, provisions here and there. But then you get to take advantage of some serious uh, uh, tax breaks that, let's face it, I mean, can help you build some serious wealth. So for personal capital gains, we're talking about zero percent, bro, and you don't have to pay the federal income tax. So, you know, let's say you make a million bucks in the States. You're paying four hundred thousand, you know. I mean, four hundred thousand. You're writing a check at the end of the year for four hundred thousand dollars, and you know, again, you make that kind of money and you're self-employed. It's not like you're 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 really ballparking for taxes. So come year end, you know, you're just writing this check and you feel like shit over here in Puerto Rico, bro. You're paying nothing. You 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 zero percent on the capital gains, which is which is ridiculous, man. Which is ridiculous. So I. I kept looking at it and I was like, dude, I'd be stupid not to do this. I'd be the dumbest motherfucker in the world if I didn't do this. So that's it. I just grabbed everything and I just I just bounced, bro. I bounced. I move everything down here, all my trading accounts, addresses, all the uh, the businesses that I had, a couple of LLCs that I had. Uh, I moved everything down here, man. So, yeah, I'm in Puerto Rico for at least 183 days out of the year and then, you know, back in the States for the rest. Yeah, okay. And you were in Boston prior to that, right? Yeah, yeah. I was in Boston prior to that. I'll most likely head back to, uh, you know, head back to Boston, uh, uh, you know, January, uh, February or so. And then, you know, we'll see where the next move is. We'll see where the next move is. Yeah, nice. Well, I totally understand why you made the move. I actually know of a couple guys who have uh, moved to Puerto Rico uh, who were prior living in the US and obviously for the same sort of reasons. Yeah, there's a ton of crypto. I mean, crypto guys are down here. Those are the ones that you'll see the most with. So people who have, uh, you know, who have taken, uh, you know, the blockchain technology and tried to build product and are trying to build products around it. So either security products, data products, um, you know, education products, you name it, everything with uh, anything with the blockchain technology behind it. Um, most of those folks are coming down here to, uh, you know, to work on it and to, to build down here. Also, too, most of the folks that are, you know, invested in crypto, as you, as you have seen, of course, Bitcoin crashed, all the old coins, anything that you had in, in, in crypto has, is, is worth 90, 95% less than what it was worth two years ago or whatever the hell it was. So they're all any everybody here is just waiting for it to bounce back because when it does, you know, obviously they they they'll take their gains tax free. So there's a lot, that, you know, there's a there's a huge crypto community down here, and they're all getting together to talk blockchain, 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 blockchain. I hear that shit every day, man. <laughs> Have you been getting involved in that? Like, did you touch it during the whole uh, crypto mania we saw? What was it? End of last year. Definitely, definitely. I put, I put like, dude, I put like 30, 40 grand in it, right? And, and like overnight, I mean, it's, it felt like overnight, but maybe it was like a month or two months. My, my accounts uh, grew to probably like a quarter mil, almost like 300,000. And I took, you know, I took my principal out basically, you know, maybe a little bit more than that. And then I just left it and I left it and I, you know, I, I just threw in a bunch of coins that I thought, uh, you know the companies were 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 sound and all this kind of stuff, and and then the shit just crashed, man. And so my my crypto accounts are worth absolutely jack shit right now. Bro. <laughs> you know so what's I got funny? Smoked on those. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're not the only one. Um, I actually cashed out of all my crypto literally yesterday. 
I was like, oh, no oh, shit. I've had enough. <laughs> Painful. Painful. Now, I mean, at this point, after this last flush, there's so many people that that I actually went to a crypto event down here in Puerto Rico the other day and um, – you know, there's there's so many people just distraught. They're just they're just asking each other. You know, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? What should we do? Um, you know, because everybody down here is waiting for it to come back. So, you know, it's just one of those things where the market dictates, and there's still more pain to be had. And uh, you know, that's just the way it is, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, at least you didn't put your whole life savings into it, and I only ah. had a little bit in it as well. It was just a bit of fun, really. <laughs> indeed, indeed. You know what the problem was for me? It was like I had to. You gotta wait. We gotta wake up, right, and trade the U.S. markets, right? So I'm up at eight o'clock, and I'm up. At, you know, I'm up looking at things. I'm I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing for the day, and the day is so stressful, right? Four o'clock comes around, then I have maybe a couple hours, eat some dinner, chill out, or whatever, and then as soon as China woke up. Up, you know that that's when the crypto stuff would go crazy so i'm up i, I was up at like midnight one o'clock in the morning two o'clock in the morning then you know four o'clock rolls around i need to get some sleep then i'm looking at futures dude it just got too fucking crazy for me bro <laughs> it got too crazy for me i was like dude what am i doing like i make enough money trading options i don't need to be trading some of this stuff i mean it's cool if i own a couple coins here and there but you know this is just this is just too much to handle. So either I need to pay somebody to manage my portfolio, or I gotta get the fuck out. That's, yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah, totally. You know? <laughs> that's what ended up happening for me. Right now, you said in Puerto Rico that you're not paying any tax at all, or that you don't right. have to pay any tax at all. Do they get you in any other areas? Like, is there a catch somewhere else? Oh, I mean 100%. Okay, so let me explain this, right? So you get 0% capital gains, for, and that's for personal. So anytime you flip a crib or you know you sell some asset or uh, you know obviously you're trading and all that kind of stuff, that as long as it's under your personal name is zero it's taxed at 0%. Now, for a business, you'll get a 4% corporate dividend. So that means that you know, if you get cut out a dividend on your business, those will get taxed at 4%. Now, if you're the owner of a business, you also have to pay yourself, though, a salary, right? So, so you know, that's that's one of the things there. So, and then the tax down here is 20%. So, let's say you have a consultant business that brings in, I don't know, a million dollars in revenue a year. You have to pay yourself a salary that is commensurate. And they do the same thing in the States too, by the way. You got to pay the, you, you got to pay yourself a salary that is commensurate with your job title. So, let's say you say you pay yourself, you know, 100000 a year, 150000 a year. That'll get taxed at 20%. And then the rest of the gains here, you're going to take as a dividend, those will only get taxed at four percent. So that's the that's the, the the sweet part when it when it comes to the businesses and the capital gains. Now, the catch is, and I guess you could call it a catch, but you know it really just is the nature of being in Puerto Rico. The sales tax is is through the roof. I mean, it's double than what it is in the states. So, for example, like if you buy a car or if you buy anything, food, whatever the hell it is, you're paying an eleven and a half percent sales tax. So, you know, that's tacking on a good amount of money to anything that you buy. So, furniture, you know, fucking lotion, man, whatever the hell it is that you buy, um, you know, you're paying an eleven and a half. Uh, percent sales tax. Now, as far as real estate, though, real estate is cheap. Uh, you know, rent is cheap down here, 
And and then since it's an island, though, similar to like Hawaii, you could say. And when you go to Hawaii, when you visit Hawaii and you go to Honolulu, you're like, wow, this place is amazing. But it's the most expensive shit in the world because, again, like all the food is imported. Everything is imported. So so a fucking Toyota Camry costs another ten thousand dollars on top of what it what it usually would. You know, a Lexus car, a, a Mercedes or whatever, like there's huge luxury taxes that are getting thrown on these items just to get them down here for people to buy so yeah you know when it when you when you look at things from that perspective there's a little bit of a catch there but again you know if you're if you're if you're cleaning you know a couple of million a year the taxes that you save well compensate for whatever the hell you would buy you know down here yeah so the main appeal is definitely the zero percent on capital gains on capital gains, exactly. So that's why you, you know, Paulson, you'll see him on the news all the time, and you know, all these other hedge fund guys coming down here and buying up uh, uh, land to build hotels, to build this, to build that. Um, they're all um, putting these businesses under the tax acts uh, down here in Puerto Rico, and supposedly. They're talking about closing up some of the uh, the personal stuff. So uh, you know that personal tap, uh, uh, cap gains thing. They're talking about closing some of it up. Um, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. But that's the you know that's the advantage of being down here. Right. Now I'll ask you this question because obviously it sounds as though you've you've done your homework on this subject and you've looked into it a bit. I occasionally get emails from uh, people who listen to the podcast asking me about ways to minimize your tax as a trader. Now, I I never really give an answer because everyone's situation is different um, in, in every way. And it also depends, obviously, on where you're living and what states you're in. And there's so many different factors. So I normally just sure. say, go speak to an accountant uh, who, <laughs> who knows about this stuff. But, yep. you know, just because obviously you've looked into it, Sure. Are there any little tips or tricks you can share just as uh, not advice, but just sure. things which you've picked up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a huge problem for every single trader. I mean, this is a monster problem for every single trader when it comes to for, you know, for for them to come to tax time and 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 try to figure out what they're doing. I mean, number one, you're 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 self-employed. So there's a there's a self-employment tax um, you know, that, that if we're talking about just the United States and again, uh, you know, for other countries, I'm not too, um, uh, aware of, but in the United States, you got a self-employment tax to worry about. Then you have a max of $3,000 in losses that you can d- deduct against, uh, you know, some of your gains. Um, and then there's a rule called mark to market. It's an election that you have to make and file for. It's called mark to market. I forgot what the number is, uh, you know, but but I would suggest anyone who is an active trader who makes more than I don't know I think I think it's like a hundred trades a year or some shit like that. You can apply for this election, and then that will allow you to take all of your losses uh, against whatever you have. You know, against whatever you have. So if you have another job or if you have another business or whatever the hell it is, you can deduct all those losses that you're taking, which is a big deal. Um, you know, for for active traders here. Um, so they make a distinction between, uh, you know, just sort of an investor and an actual professional trader or active trader. And it's, it's like a certain number of trades uh, uh, per year. And then on top of that, 
it's like you know a lot of traders don't trade under an LLC or don't trade under a business entity. So when you trade under a business entity, you know you can you can expense a lot of things, right? I mean you can deduct against it your your home office, your computers, your internet connections, your freaking cell phones, uh, you know whatever, all that kind of stuff you can sort of deduct against uh, uh, your gains your gains as well. But again, for anybody that trades for themselves for their own account i mean it's a it's a, it's a tough thing and, it, and it's tough to tell a trader bro that they need to park some money away for taxes like what are you gonna do like let's let's say you make forty thousand in three months right you're telling me you're gonna tell a fucking trader to to take you know twenty thousand of that and put it in a fucking bank account like he's gonna laugh at you what trader would do that? Because all that trader is looking at it is like, okay, now I have more money to trade with, and now my my ability to make more money is there. So why would I take money out of this account to uh, you know to park it for taxes? Because I got nine months on this money. Every trader thinks they're the best trader in the fucking world, right? So you know they don't want to park you know twenty thousand or whatever it is in a bank account and hold it for taxes. But that's the reality of the situation. You got to be able to do that because by the time year end comes around, let's say you're up 200 grand and you're you got positions, you're trying to roll into the next year, you're trying to do all this kind of stuff, you're not ready for that tax bill to come along. You know, you're not ready for that tax bill to come along and so uh, you know, April 15 comes around or you want to file an extension, whatever the hell it is, you're not ready to take all that money out that account and start putting it towards freaking taxes. You you're just not ready for it. So that's that's the unfortunate part for most traders uh, in the states. They they don't they don't think about taxes until it's too late, which again, that's that's everybody. <laughs> that's everybody, and that's the problem with taxes, right? Then, in and of itself. So I looked at the situation. I was like, you know what? I don't. I don't look at taxes until <laughs> until it's too late, too. So why don't I move to this place where I don't have to pay fucking shit and I don't have to worry about this? You know. So that's kind of the way I looked at it. You know. Yeah. Now you kind of described two different situations there. So trading as an individual with a personal account and trading under. Uh, in the states, as you call it, as a business, an LLC. Uh, obviously, there's more costs involved, I would presume, in running a LLC. Like, I don't imagine it's free. At, at what point does it kind of make sense or become viable to switch from being an individual trader or trading through your own name through trading through a business? Through trading through a business, I mean, it's. I would say it's when you're again when you're when you're taking it seriously and you're 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 an active trader and you're spending money uh, for that particular business. Let's say you're spending money for automation. Let's say you're spending money to uh, you know go on meetings. Let's say you're spending money to stay in a hotel to go to Traders Expo shit. Uh, you know, you, let's say you're doing all these things. You're taking it very seriously. So as soon as you cross over that sort of threshold where you are now uh, you know a serious active trader here that has expenses here when it comes to uh, uh, trading I think that immediately right then and there pay the $500 to set up the freaking LLC whatever state you're in and start you know start trading under that that's it 
Because you never know where it can go, Aaron. That, that's the thing, man. Nobody ever knows or is going to plan for something down the future. Like, bro, my trading has evolved so much from when I worked at a firm or when I was just trying to trade, you know, just to make a little money. I mean, it's created so many ancillary businesses. It's created uh, uh, the need for automation programs. It's created the need for, you know, other people to help me too. Other, uh, you know, maybe assistance, this, that, or whatever. That's a business, bro. That that shit is a business. So you got to start looking at it like that. You got to start. You got to look at these things like five years from now, ten years from now. What are they going to look like? You know. Mm. Would you say that you would at least need to be reasonably profitable to go down this path before definitely? Definitely. Actually, no, no, I, I, no, not at all, not at all. Um, you know that that's a that's a that's a common misconception. I would say, you know, it's it's just it's just the point where you're deciding to take it seriously. That's it, because then all of those losses or any of the issues that you're having, all the expenses and all that kind of stuff, when it comes time for taxes, it's going to look great too. I mean, the the losses are going to help you out. They're going to help you out. You know, and you're going to be able to deduct all that against other income that you have, and you know your tax situation is going to look better. So yes, it sucks to take a loss for the year, but shit, if you got another business or you got another crib that's that's bringing you money from a two family, a three family, or something like that, or you have a, a secondary business, uh, you know, all that helps. So no, I don't think you have to be reasonable, profitable at all. I just think you you gotta you gotta take it seriously. That's it. Okay. And just to reiterate again to everyone who's listening, this is not advice. Um, speak to an accountant, <laughs> but you know, hopefully you can get a couple ideas from this. Indeed, indeed. One of those other businesses that you kind of mentioned there uh, that trading has led you into has been starting a hedge fund. Uh, sure. Now I know there's been a few changes since uh, probably when we last spoke in 2015. I think you were sort of getting things up and going then uh yep. what's the latest on that yeah so that hedge fund in new york that we had when when we went ahead and 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 spoke that first time that hedge fund closed down that hedge fund closed down we had to close it down our biggest investor uh pulled out and then it was just kind of like you know the incentives weren't aligned and i was on i was in new york living a crazy lifestyle and I think I just uh, – I would say I think the pressure got to me quite a bit. And, uh, you know, we had a couple bad months. Uh, one of the biggest investors pulled out and that was it. That was it. We kind of just decided to close it up. And I went back to Boston sort of with my tail between my legs kind of thing. And, um, you know, I kind of just had to work back. Not really from ground zero per se, but I just kind of had to work back on my own. Um, and I started to kind of create a different way of going about things. Um, and now I'm looking to start a new one uh, down here in Puerto Rico, but with a much less riskier strategy and with a lot more uh, automation behind it, a lot more hedging strategies behind it, just a lot more risk management in general. I still trade like a crazy asshole. Uh, completely on my own account, but you know, since we're trying to grow with investors and and, and build over time, especially build down here in Puerto Rico, um, you know, this is a this is a much more different type of endeavor, as you said. Okay, so did that catch you by surprise in some way, or kind of, did you sort of see that it was on this trajectory at some point? 
Um, no, I, yeah, it, it definitely did. It definitely did catch me by surprise per se. Um, I never really thought that I would get into, you know, more algo based strategies. I, I never really thought that I would even get to, uh, you know, really, really thinking about hedging, um, you know, and little things like that. But now like I'm able to trade size and just basically, and, I, and I'll give you a couple of examples as we go on through the, uh, you know, through the interview or whatever. But I'm able to trade size and just hedge in and out of these these big big positions and stay with my core positions. So I'm making money on the hedge, and then I'll end up uh, okay on the on the larger position. So my strategy has changed immensely from when we spoke, you know, three years ago, uh, to where it is now. And 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 going forward too with the automation, you know, it's only going to get it's only going to change and change and change alongside with the markets. And um, yeah, man, yeah, I'm excited. The, the fund that you had set up and it's been shut down now, what type of strategies were you trading? Like, was it, were you the sole trader or were there, uh, I believe I you were working with a others? Okay. Yeah. So there was, there was a couple other guys there doing, um, Algo you stuff. know, basically the, yep. The, uh, so we had our main fund, which was just me trading. And that was just me doing my insane, uh, you know, options trading, which I still am doing to this day. I had a couple other guys working with me. Uh, they would do investor, uh, investor relations and a little bit of risk management, um, you know, but we tied a couple other businesses in as well. So, so I had a group, you know, running three different businesses and then I was the main trader for the, uh, for the hedge fund and um yeah that's basically it so the main strategy was long options it was predominantly i would say it was 90 95 long options and by the way this is the big difference here now i'm like 50 i'm actually like 60 percent short options and 40 percent long options and and back in 2015 i was literally 90 95 long options bro Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, should we get into a bit more about how you're trading nowadays? Um, sure, sure. So, obviously, you've been on a bit of a roll lately. Uh, let's just talk about what's been working for you. 
Yeah. Um, obviously, the, the, the volatility, man, the volatility, anytime there's momentum, that's when I come in and just that's when I come in and just destroy shit, you know, especially if it's momentum on the downside. Um, you know, so you have these you have these names that have just been so, so bought up and these valuations are so incredibly ridiculous, um, you know, to, to give a give a, a a stock here that exemplifies that is the nvidia you know that stock was worth i don't know what 26 bucks maybe five years ago the shit went to 300 dollars, and now it's trading a 50 percent discount when people were putting you know 500 price targets on it 350 price targets on it 400 price targets on it you know so these valuations just got absolutely insane and finally now you know people are just starting to book profits but unfortunately, in a market like this where everybody is so sitting on the bid, once things change like that and there's no bids for people to get out on and there's so much supply out there that wants to go ahead and book profits or let's say they got hit with a margin call or whatever the hell it is, you get these big, big momentum changes and, and these stocks now have – you know, like this Amazon will have a 100-point day. Uh, literally every single day, it moves a hundred points, almost seventy-five to a hundred points every single freaking day. Um, you know, and names like a Netflix moving twenty points, thirty points every single day. So that momentum is just literally my 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 lifeblood. You know what I mean? So as long as there's momentum, I know immediately if I'm wrong in a trade. If there's momentum, you know what I mean? If there's no momentum, you're sitting there in la la land. You're just like, well, am I right? Am I wrong? What the fuck am I going to do? You know, that kind of thing. And then when you're in a long option and you're stuck in, let's say, chop or you don't know what the fuck is going on, all your option is going to do is just is just lose value. And for anybody that doesn't know, you know how options work – you know, there's a big time component to it. There's a big what they call theta. There's a big uh, perception thing to it where if you're in if you're long an option and let's say you're out of the money, uh, you know, a call or a put or whatever, as you get closer to expiration, you know, that thing is worthless. That thing generally speaking is worthless. So you need a, I need a momentum type market. And honestly, I think that's what happened too to the, to the old fund. And that's the reason why I had to close down there too. You know, the volatility just kind of stopped. And once you're going long options, let's say 90, 95% of the time, you better get the freak out quick. Otherwise that option's going to zero. So that's another reason why I shifted to literally 60% short options. And 40% long options. The only time where I'm going long options now is when shit's going crazy. Is when, you know, SPY has a huge range, S&P has a huge range, and, you know, I can, I can, I can rip five points in Netflix in, in, you know, five, ten minutes, or I can rip 20 points in Amazon in five, 20 minutes, you know? So that's kind of, that's the only time I'm going long options. The rest of the time, I'm selling everything. I'm literally selling everything. So anything out of the money on, on all of this shit, all of these, uh, these large cap names, I'm just selling the shit out of all of them. And if I'm wrong on the writing side, I'll hedge a little bit to stay in it. I'll work in and out of that, that short option and I'll come back to on the short option. So that's kind of how I'm in, I'm really protecting my account with the writing strategy more so than anything. So. You know, that's kind of how I'm able to just stay where I'm at versus before, bro, I would be up like a million dollars in a month. And then the next month I'd be down a quarter million or down 500, uh, you know, 500,000. 
And then the month after that, I'd be up 600 grand. The volatility on my P&L and my account in and of itself was insane. And now what I'm able to do is, is just tone it down a little bit because I'm just writing so much on both sides of the trade and then hedging in between, taking directionals only when I need to, only when these things are moving. And then obviously if I do get caught in something, I'm able to hedge out of it. Um, you know, so that's kind of what's been working for me. I mean, but uh, again, I mean, the volatility alone here is making people a lot of money or it's losing people a lot of money. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. I liked your analogy of if you get into a trade and you find there's no momentum, you're kind of just sitting there in la la land and you're yep. going to get out. When you yep. say you're going to get out, how quickly are you getting out? Like, are you trading still? Uh, intraday, like, are you going home flat at the end of the day, or are you saying I'm going to get out, like, you know, over the next couple of hours if nothing moves, or I'm going to get out in the next couple of minutes? So that's it, it's a tricky thing, you know what I mean? It, it's a very tricky thing, you know. Another thing that I've changed from 2015, 2016 is that I'm trading around core swing positions, um, you know, which is something that I actually picked up from a couple of my users or, or a couple of my subscribers, I should say, in my uh, in my chat room. Uh, you know, guys that I've been trading with for years. You know, some of these guys are much better at it than than, than I am. But basically what I'll end up doing is swing trade in a position and then I'll just kind of trade around it uh, uh, for the, the, the uh, you know, for intraday or for the weekly moves. So to answer your question, um, you know, if I'm in something and it's just not moving and I, and, I, and I need it to move right then and there, I'm out very quickly. I'm out very, very quickly. At least this is when I'm on top of my game. Sometimes you're just sitting there, you know, watching these things burn and you can't really react and, you know, you're ending up taking a, 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 a decent loss. But you Usually, you know, I'm out immediately. If that thing isn't moving and I need it to move ASAP, I'm out immediately. As far as holding overnights, most of my positions here, um, you know, they'll be done within like a day, two days, maybe three days max. Uh, you know, very rarely am I holding something for, let's say, three weeks or four weeks. There was a period in time where I was short the market and I was babysitting positions for like two weeks. You know, but for the most part, I'm in and out, you know, within two or three days, something like that, you know. And it sounds as though... I mean, anyone who's familiar with you probably knows this already, but the types of uh, options and the names that you're playing in, they're all these very big names, like almost like high beta uh, stocks, right? Is that yes. kind of where yes. you specialize? Yes, 100%. That's the, I've never moved from these names since probably 2000. 10 maybe or 2009 or 2010 like i trade the same shit over and over and over every single day i trade s and p i trade the you know i trade all the banks um i haven't been really trading banks lately but i'll trade all the teslas the netflix you know the the priceline google nvidia amd apple facebook you know microsoft all of those same names and i'll trade them over and over and over again and now more so than ever though like it's the best time to trade these because when you get a four point range or five point range in apple the, it, it's so thick the options are so thick you literally can put five hundred thousand dollars or a million bucks in an apple option and be fine. You know, you'll be able to get out of it. You'll you'll literally be able to get out of it. Whereas, you know, back in 2015 or back even earlier than that, 
you know, you put that kind of size on, there's there's bull, there's targets on you. There's literally bullseyes printed on you. And these market makers, they know immediately, like, who you are, how much size you have, what they need to do to get you out of these things. Like, they know where your stops are and all this kind of shit. You know, it's, it's difficult. But now when you get this kind of momentum, fucking forget about it, man. You can put a – I can put a quarter mil in, in, in Apple in literally – couple of minutes and i can take it out in a couple of minutes too you know which is which is a big deal for me and that's that's always been my um you know my appeal sort of to the options and the types of stocks that i trade i'll trade a little bit of equity these days though i i will trade a little bit of equity though on some crazy names that uh you know some of these weed stocks that everybody uh, uh keeps talking about like if i can short some of these things or uh you know i'll trade a little bit of equity here and there but uh, for the most part i'm sticking to the high beta names obviously with um you know with thick options where, where basically i can put some money to work and uh not have to worry about uh, liquidity and things like that yeah okay so is that why you are focusing on those names because the options that like the books a lot thicker for options on those stocks as opposed to you know some of your maybe smaller name uh percent okay hundred percent hundred percent you know and now like as as your account grows in size you know obviously you have more options you know and then if you if you switch from you know a regular a, a reg t margin account to a portfolio margin account you know you you have a lot more options you have a lot more leverage um, and with that leverage comes obviously great responsibility <laughs> because you still have to manage that leverage uh, you know but it also does come with a lot more options you can hedge um, uh, an options position with stock if you need to um, you know you can sort of lock in gains uh, uh, if you're if you're long or short an option and you, you know you're not quick enough to get out of your whole size you know you can start hedging to lock in gains you can do a lot of cool things uh, as your margin goes up and as your account size goes up so you know of course you can always get into other things but my primary business is always always and always will be you know, just the just the fat options on, uh, you know, some of these big names out there. I noticed you've been talking a little bit about hedging. Um, let's let's drill in, into that a little further. Can you give an example of how you're hedging some of your positions? Like, what are you actually doing there? So, okay. So, for uh, let me give an example. Like, right now, I'm swing long Tesla. For some reason, like, I feel like it can go over 400 bucks in, you know, the next six months, let's say, right? So, I have $400 strike uh, uh, calls for March out to 2009, right? Or, sorry, 2019. And the stock's trading like 340 right now. I don't know where it is. It's, it's, it's just been in a range here, I would say, from like 330 to 350. So I'm sitting there adding to my swing long, but like, you know, it's not going anywhere. So I'm losing money on the option. No matter what I'm doing at this point, and it's not going straight up, plus the market looks like shit anyway. It looks like we're going to drop even more. I'm lose. I know I'm going to lose money on, on this Tesla, you know, in the short term while I figure out where my, my, you know, the right price on that option will be. Um, so as I figure that out, I'm going to be down, you know, five grand, 10 grand. I might even be down 20 grand on that position. So in order to hedge this, 
I can look at the tape and be like, all right, this thing is obviously not fucking moving right now. So what I can do is I can go to a weekly option and I can sell out of the money calls, let's say, because I know it's not going higher just by looking at the tape and by looking at the market. We're still trying to go down right now. Uh, you know, we still haven't hit a low. Whatever that, you know, what, maybe when we hit a low, people will start coming back and buying Tesla. So for now, I can go to a weekly, even this week or next week or whatever, and then sell a call sell a shorter weekly call against my long dated options and I can collect let's say a dollar let's say even two dollars of premium that will basically add income and basically stomach the losses that I'm gonna take that I know I'm gonna take on my swing call while I try to figure out where the fuck I need to buy more of that Tesla you understand what I'm saying so so week as the week goes by as each week goes by I can sit there and just collect income collect income collect income and then all of a sudden here, when and if this Tesla does decide to move, I think I needed to go over like 360 or something like that. Then it's like, okay, clear out all the short, clear out all the short options and let this long option run. You know what I mean? So I'm able to make money on that position while I have this core position of where I believe, you know, it can go and what I believe it can do. So that's kind of, that's kind of a good example here. Uh, of the hedging and you know there, there's more examples I would say on a daily basis like sometimes if I'm making uh, a weekly uh, trade for time decay sometimes I'll short options on Amazon let's say 70 points away 80 points away and obviously Amazon is fucking insane right now I could be totally wrong on my entry what I'll do is I'll take a long option to hedge my short option because I know I'm going to see a directional and I'll try to make 10, 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand on a long directional while I'm getting absolutely smoked on my short call. And then I'll literally book the gains for the long option. And then once that thing is ready to turn, I'll start leveraging back into the short option and then I'll make another 30 on that one or I'll make another 40 on that one. You know, So that's kind of what I'm able to do. Previously, I couldn't do that. I, my mind was too focused on, on one thing and it couldn't look at – it couldn't look at the bigger picture basically. You know, So it's a lot of decisions to have to make you know, within a short period of time and my mind needed to get some practice just to figure out how to do it. If we just go back to this uh, Tesla example you gave. Sure, sure. That kind of sounds like that's a longer term trade for you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. So this might sound like a bit of a silly question to yourself, but I feel as though there will be people listening to this kind of wondering the same thing. How come you, why are you holding this, this core position in Tesla now? Like why don't you sure. wait until it moves? Great point. Great point. I mean, at any given moment, I might have an idea, you know, I might have an instinct and that's all I go on. Right. I mean, my I have been trading for, I don't know, like 12 years to a decade, a little bit over a decade now, whenever my instinct says to go for something and that's just what it's going to do. So the reason why I'm in a swing is that slowly I can really build a much larger position and I can sit there and and basically just allow it to do what it needs to do and then make sure I'm there when it actually makes that move. Too often, you know what happens to me is that let's say if you try to go for 
too much of a short-term trade, you end up getting shaken out. You end up getting shaken out pretty aggressively. Even if you were if, even if you were smoking right for the last two weeks on your short, do you know how many people have fucking lost money shorting this particular move down? And you want to know why? Because we've literally had like 50, 60, 100-handle rallies literally in fucking in a day, in a day where they've been totally right on their short – but they just got caught in the wrong place at the wrong fucking time, and then it's literally the squeeze from hell happens, and that's it. Your options are worth fucking nothing. But if you have a little bit of time on these things and you're able to kind of slowly work into these things and hold them a little bit longer, that's when you're going to get paid. So I had a short on Boeing. I had a short on Boeing. I hit this thing at like 365 when it first came off the highs, but the shit I had to hold through was insane, man. And if I had a weekly or a short – too much of a short-term time frame on it, I would have missed it. I would have missed it completely. I would have missed the whole freaking trade. So that's kind of something that I'm doing a little bit differently. So with Tesla, for some reason, they want this thing. I don't, I don't know why, but every day I look at this thing and I'm like – Okay, this shit's not getting punished like anything else, right? The earnings came out on that Tesla. This thing went right back to 320. You obviously were, you know, you obviously saw when, um, you know, he's on Joe Rogan smoking weed and shit, and the stock goes to two fucking sixty, <laughs> and then all of a sudden the earnings come out and it's right back to 340, 350. So I'm looking at it, I'm just like, something's something's different. This is different. I don't know what the fuck is going on here. So as long as they hold this thing up. I just want to be long this thing, and I know I need time on it, so I'm like, fuck it. Let me buy a March. I'm going to just keep adding one contract here, one contract there, and then I'll try to collect some income against it. But I just want to be long Tesla. That's it. I, I don't know why, but this is this is just what my mind is telling me. Now, if the thing goes back to freaking 320, sure, I'm going to be wrong on this trade, and I'm going to have to take a loss. But instinct is instinct. That's it. I go with the gut, and that's it, bro. But That's that it. loss is going to be smaller than it would have been if you weren't uh, running oh this hedging God. strategy. Much, much, much smaller, dude. I mean, if if in the past I would have gotten stubborn, that's the other thing. There's a fine line, bro, between instinct and then being stubborn, right? So the gut, the gut will tell you, like, hey, you know what, you should do this, and then boom, you're like, you'll start hitting buttons because of your instinct, and that's great. But then emotions start coming into it, right? And then once the emotions start coming into it, that's when the attachment happens. That's when the 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 mistakes on your decision making happen. That's when the stubborn shit comes out, you know? And that's when you start justifying shit that you shouldn't justify, right? Meanwhile, your instinct is telling you to get the fuck out, but you're too stubborn to figure it out. Plus, you're looking at your P&L. You know, all kinds of shit are happening to you that you don't want to control or you're allowing to control your decision making. So this is what has – Sort of hindered my progress, I would say, and I and I would say for most traders, this is this is one of their biggest issues, if not the biggest issue. And hedging has really hedging plus coupled with you know uh, uh, going long options much less than I was before. These things are helping me make money, but not not only make money, bro, and even more importantly, keep the fucking money that I made. And that's one of the biggest things that I think I've I've overcome here over the years is just ways to keep the money that I'm able to make. 
versus going out there and damaging myself because of stubborn shit, because of expectation, because of behavioral mistakes, because of all this bullshit that has nothing to do with fucking money or, or the market, um, letting all those things dictate your decisions. So 100%, bro, I, I think the, the, the hedging has got me to this place. When we're talking about hedging, obviously you're trading a, a decent-sized account. For someone who might be a little bit newer to the game, uh, let's say that – I don't know. Let's not put a number on it. Let's just say they're trading a, a much smaller account. Um, is hedging a good strategy for someone with a smaller account or is it something that you're uh, having a larger account affords you to do? So, you know, having a larger account affords you to do – a lot, and it, it and it honestly even affords you the ability to even think about it. You know, I mean, if you have a five thousand dollar account or a ten thousand dollar account, yes, you can do it. But remember, it's like where are you trying to go, right? Where are you trying to go, and how quickly are you trying to get there? These are the questions that so many traders are going to ask themselves every every single day. So it's like, okay, let me start with a $5,000 account. Well, what is my goal here with this $5,000 account? Most people who start with a $5,000 account, let's face it, their goals are to make 100,000, to make, uh, you know, 50 grand, to make something that actually means something and uh, and hopefully keep it going. With that in mind, most people don't have a, a long time horizon. You know what I mean? Most people who come into trading, they'll take their 5000 and be like, okay, let me trade some crazy fucking penny stocks. Let me trade some crazy ass options. And, you know, I heard my, my friend here make 50 grand in a month. Uh, I'm going to try to do the same thing, you know? And to those people, and again, those are most of the, the to, those are most people. Those people are not going to hedge. There's no benefit for them to, to, to hedge. There's no benefit for them to look at the market like that because all they want is some crazy weed stock to go from fucking 50 cents to eight bucks with them and their whole account in it. You know what I mean? So it comes down to your time frame. It comes down to how how disciplined you want to be. It comes down to you know how long how how long you're giving yourself to do these kind of things. So hedging is always always uh, a valuable instrument. It's, it's always a valuable instrument to understand understand why. Uh, and I wish I did more of it. Obviously, when I uh, started out trading, or even was trading big accounts back in 2015 and back in 2009, back in 2010. But everybody has their trajectory. You know what I mean? I always knew about it. I just never put it into practice because you know, call me thick-headed, call me stubborn, call me whatever it is. I just never, I just never was there. And all the things that have happened to me thus far in my trading have brought me to here now, and that's why I'm hedging now. You know, so to answer your question with the small account, there's always value there. There is huge value in uh, being able to hedge and being able to stay alive, you know, and that's what hedging. That's what that's what hedging will allow you to do. And more so for me than anything, all I got to do is stay alive until the volatility comes around, because when the volatility comes around, I'm always proven to come out. You know, guns blazing, Aaron. You know that too. You know, it's why we're having this conversation right now. My guns are fucking hot, man. Them <laughs> shits are hot right now. You know what I mean? But what did I have to do to get here? You know, what did I have to do? What, look at all the shit I had to do to get here. And staying alive is so important. 
And staying where you're at is so important for me. So I'm starting to learn those emotions. I'm starting to learn those strategies. I'm starting to learn all that stuff now after, you know, going through the all the crazy shit that I've gone through. So, you know, I would say advice here for some of the for, for some of the uh, uh, traders here with smaller accounts is think about it, you know, <laughs> fucking think about it. Try to incorporate it into a couple of your positions, especially if you guys are, you know, trading hype, just crazy weekly options and your account has so much freaking volatility, uh, you know, you, you, you have to accept that volatility as part of the game or, you know, you can kind of switch to, uh, uh, you know, a little bit lower paced, um, but it'll at least protect yourself. It'll at least protect yourself so that, you're not freaking waking up one morning and your account is blowing the fuck out, man. That's a shitty feeling. Yeah. I think this next question probably ties into a lot of what we're talking about here. You're talking about instinct. You're talking about, you know, sometimes being thick-headed, being stubborn, etc. Sure. How do you know when to push it and when you should be pulling back? Like you talk about, you've got to not destroy your account waiting for those times to roll around in your case when the volatility picks up that's when you really want to push it yep how for for less experienced traders what would you suggest for them for how they should think about when they should push it and when they should maybe take their foot off the gas a little bit Sure. This all has to do with finding who you are as a trader, finding what strategy works for you and finding when it works for you as well. And then also when it doesn't. So, I mean, Aaron, you remember the, the period between what, but 2000, I don't know, we could call it 2000. Actually, since the market crashed till what, last year, uh, middle of last year, like what was, what was the, what was the, 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 the phrase that everybody posts on Twitter every single fucking day, Aaron? What was it? It was buy the fucking dip, right? It was BTFD for literally six years in a row. And then I think lately, maybe after 2015, after 2016, that's when the tech stocks really just started going crazy. So I want you to tell me, like, how many people did you see on Twitter think they were the king of the fucking world and they're just the genius of trading because they made crazy money just buying every single dip, right, on all the tech names? I mean, we, 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 you and I both have seen tons of people pass through our world, uh, you know, that have, that have done monster things with their account, right? Even newbies, even newbies who come out, you know, with a $10,000 account, all of a sudden they're, 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 they're up $200,000 because all they did was what? Buy fucking Amazon every single time we had a dip. Buy Nvidia every single time we had a dip. Buy AMD every single time we had a dip. And where are all those people right now? You don't fucking hear a It's like a fucking graveyard, bro. You don't hear, you don't hear a word from them. And then all of a sudden, you know what the shitty part is? Is that they lost all that. You know what I mean? Most people lost all those. All those gains there, they're trying to figure out like, okay, this is it. This is this is the dip right here. Let me go ahead and buy. Let me go ahead and buy. And then all of a sudden, the the worst shit happens and that's it. Their, their options go to fucking nothing. And the worst thing is, is that the behavior at that point you can't control. So you're going into it with more money, right? You're going into it with even more money because you got to make your losses back. You got to make your losses back. You're attached to where you were. And then that's it. That's how you get these blown out accounts. And that's how you get these margin calls through the fucking roof. And what I'm trying to say is that, you know, 
whatever strategy it is that works for you, let's say it was buy the dip, you know, it's the realization. And trust me, your instinct is going to kick in and it's going to be like, dude, this shit's not going to work. But again, if you're stubborn about it and you know, you're just starting to throw money at it because you want to get your account back to wherever the hell it was and back to, you know, you being in the promised land or whatever the hell it is. You know, that's where things are going to bite you in the ass. So it's really understanding what your strategy is and who you are and what your goals are, what your purpose is, and sticking to those things, which is extremely, extremely difficult to do. I, I've shown through, I've shown as well through my whole career as a trader, it's difficult for me to do that. And I, and I, and I constantly look for new ways to figure out like, okay, how do I just stay alive? All I got to do is stay alive here. And my market will come around, you know, my, the right market will come around. So all I got to do is scratch out a little, a little shit here and there and wait around for my market. So to answer your question was, which was, you know, how do you know when to push it? It's really more so understanding yourself than anything, man, you know, and that is an inward process. It's not, it's not a market thing. It's not a thing where you can just be like, all right, you know, today I'm going to come in here. I'm going to try to make some trades. They're not working. Okay. I'm going to step back. You know, those kind of things. It's really an inward. It's, it's really looking inside. It's really like, okay, you know what? Right now this market is not working for me. I'm going to go ahead and reduce my size. I'm going to go ahead and, and try to do whatever I can here just to, either not trade or you know scratch out a little bit until my time until my time comes around but dude i'm not going to sit here and say it's an easy thing i'm not going to sit here and say i have figured that shit out because i fucking have not but i do know one thing aaron is that even though like let's say the momentum disappears now i have other strategies now i got other strategies to play when the market is 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 dead, let's say, or it's, it, it doesn't have the momentum, there's other things that I can roll into. There's other there's a, you know there's other strategies here that I've collected over the years and I'm able to execute. So that's kind of what that's kind of where I'm talking about as far as hedging. So Aaron, I'm, when I say hedging, I'm not talking about purely just hedging uh, 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 an options position. I'm talking about hedging my fucking life, bro. I'm talking about finding ways to hedge my actual life, my emotions, my uh, mindset at the time. Let's say I'm going through some shit uh, outside. How do I stop it from affecting, uh, you know, my, my, my account? Um, you know, so many things. So when I say hedge, I ain't just talking about the trade. I'm talking about hedging my fucking life and hedging who I am as a person because I know in certain situations, yes, I might get depressed. Uh, I might get too overzealous. Uh, I might get too uh, uh, all over the place and I want to do everything at one time. These are things that naturally happen to me, you know, every year, every, every couple of months, every, you know, who knows? So it's just acknowledging like, okay, I'm going through this phase right now. How the fuck do I protect myself from myself? You know what I mean? That's all I think about now because I know I can make the money, but now I just got to figure out like, okay, how do I protect myself from my own dumb fucking ass? Which if that makes any sense to you, it's like, it's like protecting the, the devil inside of you, bro. Protecting yourself and what you have from the fucking devil inside of you. Does that make sense there, Aaron? It does make sense. Yeah. And yeah. you know how I phrased the question? I said, how do you know when to push it? You kind of right. described it as like, this is my market. Like, you know when it's your market. Exactly. 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 And, and by the way, everybody else knew it was mine too. 
So even if I didn't know it was mine, which I already did, like everybody in my world, in my space, in my chat room, on Twitter, everybody was just like, dude, what the fuck are you doing right now? Are you going? Are you going? And again, like it just reinforces. It, it all just reinforces. And for me, like I was sitting here waiting for this. I was sitting here waiting for this. And I caught Spy at like 388, 388, 387. And that's when everything just really started to unfold. And once I saw the signs, that was it. I mean, you couldn't stop me. I put it all, I put it all, I put it all in there short and, you know, it worked out pretty good. <laughs> what do you mean you put it all in there short? Well, you know, it's, it's like you, kind you, of a fr- people, people love to say I went all in. I didn't really go all in, but this, you know, this was going to be my question. Like, <laughs> sure, when sure. you when you know you've got to push it, it's yeah. also not a reason for you to become reckless, is it? True. Okay, so that's a great yeah. Because you don't know, you don't know. Sometimes you feel it, and then you want to go heavy on it, but. You get attached too. That was another one of my biggest issues, right? So if I wanted to make a big trade and I felt it, right, and I felt that my instincts kicked in. It was like, yo, this shit is about to happen right now. Just go. Just go. And I would press the button. I'd get in there. But you constantly have to be there to make sure to make sure that, hey, this is actually unfolding here. And the second it doesn't, you got to be ready to pull that stuff out. You got to be ready to cut that risk off. You have to be ready to shut that faucet off because if you're not, especially in the option space. And again, Aaron, this is why I moved to 40 percent long options and then 60 percent short options, because most of the time. In, uh, in the options world, most of the time you buy a fucking option, that shit's going to zero. If you hold till expiration, the shit's going to zero. If you are a long and out-of-the-money option, whether it's a put or a call, the shit is going to fucking zero. The odds are the shit's going to zero, you know? So if you're going to make that bet, you better fuck. You better be fucking ready, man. You, you better be fucking ready. And that's, you know, that's been my life, obviously, for the last five, seven years. Um, you know, and, and again, only now that I'm really moving towards mostly short options. So Aaron, you know what will happen is that most of the time I'm just short, right? And then all of a sudden, you'll start to see shit in that option. Whatever you're shorting, you'll be like, whoa, the market maker is moving differently. Volume is coming into this thing. Something is different. And then you'll go back to the stock. You look at the tape and be like, all right, this thing is looks like, you know, whatever you're watching here looks like it's ready to move. And that's when I'll come in and make a, a directional play, you know, because I have some data behind me. I have something behind me and then I'll go and then I'll go super heavy, you know. But again, you're, you're talking about the, the, the line, the fine line here between knowing it's your time and then recklessness, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it's like in trading here, there's always that fine line. There's always that fine line between conviction and too much conviction. Too much conviction to the point where you get attached to that position and you can't bail, you know. So I always use the the movie, the the Heat reference, you know. What does what does Bobby De Niro say to uh, Pacino? He says, you know, don't get attached to anything you can't walk out on in thirty seconds if you see the heat coming around the corner, you know. <laughs> so that's the same. Sh- it, it is the same shit. We live we live on this fine line, especially if you guys are trading options. Uh, we live on that fine line. So all I'm trying to do, I recognize now that fine line more so than anything from a behavior standpoint, from a, from a tape perspective, you know, from a market maker perspective, from all the people that are, that are, that are involved from emotions perspective. And it's like, okay, where, 
where does everybody exist on this line and who's going to fall <laughs> who's going to fall and that usually dictates where that you know where these stocks are going and who's caught on the wrong side and you know all this kind of shit that is helping me figure out like where my strategy is and and where do I fit you know in this whole world kind of thing yeah yeah all right, man. Well, we're pushing on an hour here, but there's there's another subject which I'd like to ask you about, and I know it's something you've got a few thoughts to share on. Uh, the future of trading, and sure, you know that might be the future of trading for you, or where you see things changing for a lot of people uh, as we move forward. But I know you've got some ideas around more on the hybrid trading type of. Uh, approach, if you will, or utilizing technology to save you from yourself in some ways. So, um, you know, what, what are some of the things you're working on uh, in that regard? Sure. So, so first I'd like to just preface this by like giving a little bit of a backdrop. Like we went through a period of high frequency trading, right? I mean, after 2007, like, and, and don't you find it crazy, bro, that nobody really talks about high frequency trading anymore like Aaron have you talked to anybody that talks about it I mean granted you get you get people on your podcast and everything but it's kind of like a thing of the past no I mean people don't really talk about it anymore well I don't know has it just become more accepted it's just it's definitely become more accepted and it's definitely become a part of how exchanges work and how uh, people execute orders and things like that I also think it's I also think it's maybe more people have become to understand it a little bit better like when sure. it first started getting thrown around a lot of people thought it was this mysterious kind of you know what is HFT people are just skimming the money off the top everywhere sure and now sure. they actually understand what's going on a little bit better. Yeah, now we got Robinhood. Now everybody's trying to expose Robinhood for how they make money. I see that new – it's like – what do they call it? The freaking uh, clickbait shit. I see a new article coming out, how Robinhood is able to charge commission-free and all this kind of stuff. You'll see shit like that. Um, so again, like that's that's one side to what, to what people thought the future of the markets were going to be. And, you know, now you look at now you look at this quote unquote market crash that everybody's calling, which which to me is the dumbest shit I have ever heard. You know, people calling this a market crash like nobody complains. Nobody complains when Boeing or Amazon has a hundred point fucking update, but it can't. God forbid it has a hundred point down day like the, it's a fucking market crash. That shit always, always got under my freaking nerves. Uh, and people just trying to figure out like, OK, why is this market working the way it is? Should we bring back the uptick rule? Should we stop all these short sellers and all that damn rhetoric comes back as soon as the market comes down? Um but I say this to say that, you know, a lot of people thought high frequency trading and, and, you know, faster speed and all this kind of stuff was going to be the future of the markets. I don't think that's where it is. I mean, I think markets are, I don't think they're efficient at all, but I think the markets are very emotional. I look at it from that perspective. I think all markets are super emotional. Uh, if you look at sneakers, if you look at fucking uh, tickets for, for concert events or for uh, you know Red Sox games, if you look at Bitcoin, if you look at all the damn altcoins out there, if you look at you know any auction type of market, they are dictated and guided. Oil, uh, you know, they are dictated and guided 
by a lot of emotions and as well like who's positioned on the wrong side of the trade and who's going to get screwed out of their uh, you know out of their positions because they're holding too much and they don't know what the hell to do with these things so those couple of things behaviors and emotions i believe are the controlling factors now what do we also know about retail traders their largest issue and the reason why they can't make any fucking money is what behaviors and emotions right so i believe that we're going to be in a world of of hybrid automation here where you as a retail trader you're going to come to terms with the fact that you suck at certain fucking things you already know you suck at these things but you have no solution right and the previous solution was go full automation and try to go ahead and and uh you know work it from that angle but aaron what did we what did we figure out we even heard of funds that were completely automated blow up completely how come they blew up bro what do you i i don't know frankly because somebody somebody else's code was better and and code had to just keep adjusting so you're only good you know how they all they always say uh, you're only good as your last trade you've heard that right mm-hmm. yeah and with the high frequency trading and the, and, the, and the coding and the programmers you're only good as your code so as long as your strategy made money uh, you know, let's say it was for a year, let's say it was a couple of years, but you still had to update that code. I invested, bro, in two freaking out, al- actually three algos from people that were very, very respectable in the high frequency trading community as programmers from, uh, uh, desks from very respectable banks. And, and Aaron, I want you to tell me how many of those you think actually made money? How many of those you think I didn't lose my ass from? Three. Three. Well, how many do you think? What? You think I made money on one, two? What do you think, bro? Well, I feel like you're going to say three. <laughs> None. All three. None. I lost money uh, on th- all That's of what them. I meant. Yeah, you lost money on all three. <laughs> Did you make money for a certain period of time, though, before you lost money? I made money, money for a certain period of time, 100%. I made money for a certain period of time on two of them. And, you know, they, they showed a great track record. They showed, you know, amazing uh, uh, percentage gains, uh, all this kind of stuff. Investors were happy. Everybody was happy. And then all of a sudden, something happened, right? The market changes. The same shit that retail traders had to deal with, have to deal with. It's the same thing that the programmers have to deal with as well. Something changes, maybe a rule changes, or somebody else is trying to scalp the same edge that you're scalping, so that edge is no longer there anymore. Well, goddammit, if that edge is no longer there anymore, what the fuck are we going to do? We got we to gotta come up with either a new strategy completely, or we got to compete against this other code. You know, it, it, there's too many moving parts, just like retail traders. So if there's all these people here that are still playing this game of the markets, I think the real solution, okay, and it's not even really a solution, but it's just more of you being able to survive uh, as a trader and you being able to, you know, keep your uh, uh, um, account basically, keep your keep yourself afloat until your market comes along. Is how do we change behavior? How do we how do we get one leg up on behavior? So I'm looking at it this way: like the future of retail trading and the future of advanced retail trading 
is a, a, a hybrid strategy where we try to help you automate around some of your behavioral pitfalls. Okay, so let me explain that, right? Let me break it down. What are some of your behavioral pitfalls? Like, Aaron, you, you're, you're trading now, right? You're a big fucking trader now. <laughs> what, are some of your big, what, are, what are some of your big behavioral pitfalls? What do you suck at? What do you suck at? You got to have something. I know you got something. Uh, I guess sometimes being too slow to execute would probably be one of them. Okay, sure. Okay. Uh, some other people would say overtrading, right? Some other would people. Some other people would say, okay, when I'm up on a position, I get too greedy, and then I end up taking for a loss, right? Other people would say, uh, you know, I get too heavy, right? They got they got an issue with position sizing, right? Mm -hmm. So all of these are behavioral issues that everybody has. Okay, one of the major ones being overtrading and being up on a position and then taking it for a fucking loss. What if? What if? The data, the trading history data was good enough that it combined with real-time market data so we could get a clear picture of the trade from start to finish. And we could also figure out a way to get data on your emotions. What does your face look like? For example, Facebook now has facial recognition all over the place, right? They see the look on your face when you're clicking on something. They can tell supposedly when you're fucking depressed. They can tell what you click on. That makes it, uh, you know, they can tell, they can tell all these things about you. So we're starting to get into a world where these databases are becoming very behavioral, very emotional, right? And we have all this talk about mental health coming around too. So you connect all these pieces here and all of a sudden we have a picture of a trader that makes a trade from start to finish, right? Let's say he's up, you know, $3,000 or $4,000 on Facebook, right? And he doesn't take the gains. And all of a sudden, the shit turns around on him. And we can tell from all these different places, his heart rate, brain activity, all this kind of shit that – and then also his trading history as well. All of a sudden, now that 4000 dwindles, right, to 3000 2000 1000 What else is he looking at? What is he looking at on the internet to change his mind? How many times, Aaron, do you, uh, let's say, hold on to a position too long and now you're fumbling? Do you ever go on the internet to try to get your mind off something, you know? Right. There's yeah. tons of people. There's tons of people that'll go on Instagram immediately. There's tons of dudes even that'll go on porn sites. You know what I mean? And just kind of try to get away from what is happening in front of them. And then all of a sudden, that four thousand goes to zero. Right? It goes down a bit. Now you're negative a thousand. Now you're negative two thousand. Now the dumb decisions come out. Maybe you double down. Right? Maybe you double down. Maybe you maybe you triple down. And now all of a sudden you're down ten thousand. Right? All of a sudden, if we can look at all of that data and say, okay, 70% 70, 70 of the time, you're up this amount of money on your trade. You end up booking it for a loss. And we can prove to you through the data and through the emotional data and through the behaviors that we're seeing that, hey, 70% of the time you're fucking doing this. What if we, what if we offered you some automation that saved you 30% of these losses? Would you come trade with us? Would you use our technology? You think they're going to fucking say no to that, bro? Again, though, we live in a regulation. We live in a financial regulation framework that uh, if we're able – if we're going to come into your account and make decisions for you, that, you know, there's some big repercussions for it. So I don't know if the technology is there yet, bro, for this. I, I don't know if it is, but it will be. It fucking will be. 
And I think that is a huge, huge advantage or help um, you know, to any trader out there. And I say this on the largest trading podcast in the world. I don't give a shit if you guys steal the fucking idea either because at least it's out there. I don't give a shit. You know, there's going to be competing products and all this kind of stuff. But I think that type of automation and that type of technology is going to be the future of, 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 of business, I think, for a good amount of time. Because think of all the other applications too, Aaron. You know, you might have apps on your phone. Now, finally, Apple is rolling out a fucking product or, or just a, a feature that can sit there and tell you like, okay, you've been on your phone for too fucking long. Meanwhile, this is a company who openly, openly says, yes, we know you're fucking addicted. We know your life is in shambles every time you look at this fucking phone, and we know we're taking all of your time, all of your focus. We know we're doing all of this stuff. But now, finally, we're going to go ahead and let you control this shit. Think of how many apps, think of how, think of how many applications there would be for behavioral sort of automation that stops you from doing something that you cannot stop yourself. You know what I'm saying? And you cannot trust yourself 100% of the time. I'm talking about 100% of the time. Because all it takes is one time, right, Aaron, for you to blow up your account? That's all it fucking takes. That's all it takes. It's all it takes is for you to have some crazy argument with your daughter's mother in the morning. All of a sudden at 930 in the morning, all of a sudden you're fucking yelling at her and your position here. You're in $100,000 deep of some fucking Boeing calls that you can't even look at. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know what I mean? All of a sudden you come back to this shit. You're down 50 grand. You're toast, man. <laughs> you're fucking toast. So I'm talking about. The little – the moments, bro. I'm talking about the moments in time that we need to get back, and we can't get them back. You can't get your fucking time back, but what if there was a little seatbelt? What if there was a little – what if there was a little thing behind you that gave you some of that back, that gave you some of those losses back? You know what I mean? You would – you would. everybody who had an E-Trade account would come trade with me, everybody. As long as you could prove it through this data, right? It would be like, fuck E-Trade, fuck Robinhood, fuck all of this stuff. I'm going with Lucci because shit, he's going to save me 30% of my own dumb ass. So why the <laughs> fuck wouldn't I trade with him? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's that's where I believe the, the trading can go and where it should go. I mean we're already seeing uh, these guys invest in the virtual reality platforms, which to me – I don't really see that shit catching on, man. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would. Maybe it wouldn't. Would you use it? Would you put on some three D goggles and 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 tap the air to make a trade? I, I don't know. No, I don't know. No. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I saw. I haven't really seen much of it. I did see something a, a little while ago. And I didn't really understand. It seemed like a bit of a stretch, to be honest. Right. Right. Of course. So, you know, I think I think that technology is going to continue to be involved. You know, maybe you might have some 3D platforms and maybe you might have some uh, different ways to execute, um, you know, but I think in the in the in the shorter term here, the behavioral modification, the behavioral uh, uh, help assistance, because, you know, you can't trust yourself. And bro, like I tell my traders all the time, like. You guys can't even even for little things, right? You can't you can't expect yourself 100% of the time to always remember to lock your fucking door or to to take your damn car keys or to make sure you forget uh you know, make sure you don't forget your lunch in the morning. There's nothing we as human beings can do 100% of the time. And when you put that to trading, you know, <laughs> come on, man. There's so many places that we make emotional mistakes, that we make decisions, uh, you know, based off of emotions that are not good for our our account. 
And nobody is creating that database. That data, I haven't seen that database. I don't even see it being worked on. Um, but that, to me, is going to be the most important thing uh, for trading. And and I would love for somebody to step up. I myself am, am, am starting to work on this. But you know, I would love. And and again, this is this is going to be a lot of exposure here to this talk alone. So come find me. You know, if you guys want to work on this shit, I'd love some help. I would love some help. So are there any parts of this which you've begun to implement like for your own trading? Are you working with someone who's using like yeah. your own data for your specific? Yeah. So for example, right, like like my writing strategy. And and by the way, this is the one that like I'm creating a hedge fund down here in Puerto Rico and I'm just hiring people from here, literally people from the island. So, you know, no nobody from the States, no programmers from the States, none of that stuff. I want to build from here, from this country, from with people that don't know shit about fucking trading. They don't know a damn thing about trading and I don't even want them to know anything about trading, right? Because you, people who know anything about trading, they come into the situation with uh, their knowledge and their uh, 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 what, what is the word I'm looking for? Preconceptions or whatever the hell it is about how a market should work and how they should be trading. I don't want any of that. So what I'm doing is I'm taking I'm looking at my own data, of course, and I can I can tell obviously because it's my trades. I can be like, oh shit! I looked at this trade. I know exactly what happened. I know exactly when emotionally I lost control of the trade, and then I know exactly all the pitfalls after after I hit it you know what I mean or or took a loss or took a gain or whatever the hell it was right so I know myself so I can look through that data and be like yep this is exactly where I fucked up and then from there I can create these little automation programs. So I have, you know, a good set of maybe 10 to 20 automation programs just for that. So for example, like for over trading, right? So let's say how many times Aaron have you gone into one stock and let's say you took a loss on it and you went back the second time and the third time and the fourth time and you kept taking losses. Have you done that before? Of course. Of course, right? So so let's say the program will say, okay, it'll allow you, let's say, 30% or 40% uh, uh, loss on the first trade, okay? Then the second trade, it's going to close that up, right? It's going to make it 20%. And the third trade is going to close that up even more, 10%. And then the fourth trade, it won't even let you fucking make it for a certain period of time, right? So, so let's say you make three trades in a row, you took a fucking loss on it. The program is going to stop you from trading that particular name, any option on that particular name for at least 30 minutes to an hour. And you can set all that. I can set all this stuff, you know, but that's like one example, right? And then there's another example for position sizing. Let's say throughout, you know, five years of data, my, I have an average position size of X, Y, and Z. Um, if I'm over that position size, well over that position size, let's say, it tightens up a loss on it. It tightens up a stop loss on it. And it makes sure that, you know, if shit hits the fucking fan, I don't go down the damn ship with it. You know what I mean? I don't let it go down to zero. Uh, you know, and then there's another one um, where if I'm up a certain percent, let's say I'm up 100% on an option, right? If you're up double your money on a fucking option and then you take it for a loss, you're just a jackass. That's all you are. You're a fucking jackass, you know? Or if you're up, let's say, 200% or 300% on an option and you take it for a loss, you're fucking jackass. People do it all the time, though. You know, I do it all the time. So if I'm up 100%, it's going to lock me at break even. I can't take a loss more than break even for it. And I might get some slippage or whatever on it, but at least it'll lock me there. You know, so little things like this, I'm able to just create small scripts for it that I'm using myself and then I'm going to employ, uh, obviously, in the um, – 
uh, in the hedge fund with the with the new strategy and everything. You know, so most of this is coded for short options, long options, long stock too as well. Um, you know, I'll probably get the futures too as well. But these are just like little examples of things that I know through my own data. This is what I need kind of thing. But now I need to be able to roll it out on a larger scale, just make a database for thousands of traders and build trading profiles for everybody. So just like Facebook is building a, a huge data profile on you and all your fucking horrible things that you look at and every you know crazy thing that you look on, uh, at on the internet, we got to do the same thing for trading. We got to do the same thing for trading. And that database is going to be so valuable to to, you know. To all the big, to, to anybody who wants to take a look at it, you know. So that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm at. So that's where I'm using it right now. So I execute now through some of those scripts that you know it's like a seatbelt for me, you know. So that I'm not I'm not out here doing the crazy dumb shit that uh, that I was before. So if I can save, you know, thirty to forty percent of my losses, bro. Come on, man. And then the more advanced this technology gets, the more advanced we get the database going, the more advanced we get the programmers to look at this data and say, okay, you know what? Let's try this script. Let's try this. Let's try this. You know, maybe this will help. Maybe we've got to tweak this, that. It'll, it's going to take a couple of years, years even. But, but I think it's, I think it's totally worth it. And especially for me, for my lifestyle, for my bottom line is I want to keep growing. You know, I want, there's a lot of things that I want to do after moving to Puerto Rico like I want a presence in Africa like there's there's uh, now the technology over there is finally good enough that there's a lot of traders that are that are popping out of freaking Nigeria South Africa they've they've always been there but now there's a there's a good ecosystem for it you know India all these places that maybe I could bring the strategy and maybe I could bring this technology but that's kind of where I'm trying to go but I can't do any of that shit if I'm out there losing a million dollars Aaron you know what I'm saying I can't do any of this shit if I'm if all of a sudden I have a bad trade and I lose 500,000 like I I have to find a way to stop that so that's that's where my focus is yeah that's really cool, man. I like how you shared those couple of examples of uh, the different sort of programs that you've got running for yourself right now. No doubt, no doubt. Um, and just to wrap things up here, something I've picked up on from this conversation, and I think it should be a really good lesson from anyone who's listening to this as well. You know, you're doing things, you're still trading in the same kind of area, but you're doing things a bit differently from when we last spoke in 2015. And, yep. you know, that just goes to show that as traders, you know, I know we hear it all the time about constantly evolving in that, but like, this is a, this is a real example of that, you know, hundred percent. we're always 100%. trying to figure things out. Like no one has it licked. No one has it mastered. It's always a constant evolution, constant growth kind of thing. So I think that's been really obvious from this conversation. You know, no one, no one does, man. And, and, you know, I could go in a whole diatribe right now of just stuff that I see in the trading world that gets me so upset. You know what's popping down here in Puerto Rico, Aaron? You're not going to believe it, but I mean, again, like it's, it's a Forex, it's the Forex pyramid schemes. It's the Forex. um, That shit's so bad. (laughs) You've heard of this, man. You've heard of this, man. Yo, I'm telling you, man, in Puerto Rico, man, there's this. And again, like. All of these network marketing companies, all of these MLM companies, they exist where? Where do they exist and where do they proliferate? They always proliferate in places where people have less opportunity. 
They have less opportunity and less knowledge and less, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, than uh, you know, a place like New York City, let's say, a place like these, these, uh, you know, the, these well-built-up places like San Francisco and all this kind of shit. You will always see these MLM companies pop up in places like this. And I and I went to these. I, I literally went and sat in on one of these things, and it was literally just a rah-rah. You know, you could change your life type of thing, and and all you got to do is get four people to sign up uh, under you, and and they can trade and they can change their lives. And bro, they have a, literally a saying, and this is the saying that gets pervaded, obviously, in every single. This is the way they sell you. It's like they they say that, oh, you have a smartphone here. If you're not making money from your smartphone, then it's a stupid phone, Aaron. Like that's what they're saying. <laughs> That's what they're fucking saying. They're saying make money from your phone, and that's what they do. And and people buy into this shit. They 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 feed them thousands of dollars, and they buy into this shit, bro. And I see this stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, man. That's brilliant. Oh, this is this is brutal. <laughs> and we have to sit here and watch this shit. You know what I mean? And and we know you and I know, bro. You've seen from all the people that you've interviewed here that this shit is not. It's not a. It's not. A, it's not a. It's not an easy cookie cutter thing. It's, it's not something where you can open up your phone and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make this trade here. And I made a couple hundred dollars. Boom. I'm out. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't happen like that. It yeah, doesn't happen anywhere the in tomorrow. the fucking world. <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. We're going to do the same thing tomorrow. And then by the end of the year, you're going to be here like it doesn't fucking happen. And when I look at it and I see it, I get so frustrated. But that's that's the, that's the world, right? Wherever there's a hustle, it's easier to sell the hustle than it is to actually, you know, make the money on it. Um, you know, so with that in mind, like, dude, all the things that have happened to me in my life, like the the losses, the successes, the the ego, the the you know, the depression, you put, you add all that shit up, and that's what actually brings you to where you are. You know, I'm only here because of all that bullshit I had to go through, you know, to get to this place, and then and, you know, to wherever the next place is going to be. I gotta I gotta continue thinking about that, but. Instead of me looking at it from the money thing and chasing after the success, I looked at it as, you know what, if I get a certain type of market, I'm going to make money. Like I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of doing. Like I, all I have to do is figure out how to save my dumb ass from making the, the same stupid decisions that I made you know, in the past. And again, you can't save yourself from all of it. It's not possible. But at least you can learn new new tricks, new ways, and new decision-making uh, uh, skills, whatever it is. Uh, you know, to, to, to keep yourself from those issues. So that's all I'm focused on, you know, so the money is great. Yeah, fine. Okay. I made a hundred thousand in one day or I made 200,000 in one day, or I had a million dollar a month. That's great. But who the fuck cares if next year you don't have that shit? You know what I mean? Who the fuck cares if five years you still, you know, you still where you at and you lost all that money or, or it's a, it's a, it's another problem that kind of came out. So now I'm kind of just focused on how do I stay how do I stay? How do I stay here? What do I have to do to stay here? And that that mentality alone, Aaron, is the only reason that I created the the idea of the behavior thing, or the idea of the hybrid automation thing. You know, so we all go through what we go through, and provided you stick to what you're doing, you know, you're going to continue to evolve, and you are going to find the right path. Problem is, is just most people don't. They can't stick it out, man. It's too, it's too difficult. And I don't blame them, man. It is fucking difficult. <laughs> it is. But, you know, that's where I'm at. Right. Yeah. As you said, man, you got to stay alive. You got to stay alive. That's it. 
All right. Well, good catching up, man. Um, it's been a while. I think the last time we spoke, like, was when I was in New York. That must have been what was that last year? Now look at you, man. You got the friggin' the most popping podcast for traders in the fucking world, man. Congratulations, bro. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've dialed it back a little bit. Like I'm not doing episodes quite as frequently. Um, other things are sort of taking priority, but it's definitely as you said, staying alive, I'm keeping alive um, and I'm still, you know, pushing out episodes just a little bit less frequently. Sure. If someone wants to catch up with you, um, best places on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, best place on Twitter. I mean, it's St. Lucie everything. You can send me a, you know, a comment anywhere. I think the the best place probably is on Twitter. Uh, you know, you can email me, Lucie, at com. But yeah, DM me on Twitter or hit me up on Twitter. That's probably the easiest. I'm like heavy on Instagram now, but I still don't understand truly how to do this shit like you gotta be fake as fuck on instagram <laughs> to get to get you know what i mean i look at all this stuff and i'm like dude i can't do this shit i can't do this like some of your stuff i love it because you already have the traffic and everything and it's just like you know nice quotes and you know just kind of like nice pictures like that so that does well too but finance is tough man finance is t- it's tough to not look like a douchebag but all finance, like anybody who's selling a product, let's say on finance or whatever, like they, you know, they spend a lot of money for, for photography. They spend a lot of money for videos. They spend a lot of money for all this stuff, man. And I, I don't know, man. I still have a problem with it. But yeah, I've really gotten into Instagram. Like I, these days, all I do is I just post the episode on there. Um, right, right. But Twitter's pretty much my go to. I like of Twitter, course. Instagram. Of course. Uh, I, I could probably do more with it, but. Again, got priorities. Indeed, 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 man. I still got to come out to Australia, man. I still got to yeah, come dude, out for check. sure, for sure. You should indeed. do that. All right, well, let's uh, let's call it a wrap. Great catching up, man, and we'll chat again soon. All right, take care, Aaron. You've reached the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but rest assured, there are more episodes loaded with real market insight and zero hype on the way soon. So to stay updated with each great new release, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next time on Chat with Traders.